Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. I have, a, I have three kids, and all three of my kids needed braces desperately. Okay, we, they were the type of kids, we took them to the doctor, and they get the x-rays, and the doctor's like, you know, oh my gosh, you got to come in and see this. You know, they're sharing their x-rays with everyone. And so each of them had to have oral surgery to have teeth removed, and then they had to have braces put on. Now, the reason we did it is because, you know, I want my kids to have, I feel like if my kids have a better smile, they can have that, those perfect teeth, that perfect smile, it's going to give them a better life in the future. And it's, it's going to make, like, you know, their dental hygiene easier. It's, I mean, it's easier to brush teeth that are straight instead of teeth that are, like, kind of horizontal, you know, sticking straight out of your face. But I just, like, parents, I want you to know this, that my children... They had to go and have surgery and have teeth removed. Combined, my three kids had more than 20 teeth removed from their heads. And get ready, okay? Hold your breath. I'm going to tell you how much braces have cost my family. And really, and just I'll be honest, have cost me personally. And a deeply emotional and financial level, okay? Be ready. Between surgery and braces with my three kids, braces will have cost us $20,000. Yeah, gasp, soak that in. That's how much it has cost us. 20 teeth and $20,000. But here's the thing, it's worth it, okay? It was worth it for us to make that sacrifice because we really genuinely believe this. If we can set our kids up with that perfect smile, if we can set them up with better teeth, it will give them a better life sometime down the road in the future. And we, we all know what it means to like to do something or to try to make something better so that we can have a better life in the future. I mean, we all, we all get this. I mean, it's, it's not just teeth that we can apply this to. I mean, we diet. We go to the gym. We read books and listen to podcasts because we want to make our lives better and we want to be better at life. We, you know, we get tutors for our kids. We get them private coaches for their sports team because we want them to be better. Because deep down, we believe this, is that if I can make myself better, then my life will be better. If I can get better at this thing, then down the road, eventually, my life is going to be better. And it applies to so many areas of life. It applies to the spiritual aspects of our life. But I think that in the spiritual aspects of our life, I think that's where it gets a little weird and maybe a little harder to define and grasp. I know that if I put braces on my kids' teeth, that in three to four years, their teeth are going to be straight and look perfect. You do A and you get B. But I think spiritually, I think there's some confusion about what really is it that makes our life better spiritually. I mean, what are, what are the things? And like, for example, like some people would say that the things you do are all really religious. If I do the religious things, those will make me better and then my life will be better. So, you know, the religious things, I need to, I need to give more. I need to go to church more. I need to pray and read my Bible more. Then there's some people would say, well, no, it's the spiritual things are, are issues of, of love and caring for people. And so I just need to love my neighbor better and do that more. And I need to, you know, go down to Home Sweet Home Mission and serve there more. I need to get more involved in, in you know, in the foster care system. You know, if I do those things more, then, then I'm better and then my future will be better. And then there's, I mean, some people who's like, if I just sit here and meditate enough and just have everyone else leave me alone, then maybe I'll get my head straight enough and my spirit straight enough and then I'll be better and then everything will be better for me spiritually. So there's lots of different things that we think might work spiritually to make us better. And then, then honestly, there's, there's the deal with grace. We've been talking about grace in this message series for the last several weeks. 
talking about how big and radical God's grace and his love for us is. That his grace is so big and so radical that it doesn't matter what we've done, it doesn't matter what we're going to do, that God's grace is for us because he loves us that much. And if God's grace is that big, we've talked about that, that justification comes in. We talked about last week what it means to be justified before God. And that in God's grace, that when he looks at us, when we say yes to Jesus, that now when God looks at us, he sees us as if we had never sinned and as if we will never sin again. Now that's like, that's big. Whatever you have done, that when you come to Jesus and when you say yes, that those things disappear when God looks at you, that it changes your status with him. And the status of your relationship is changed with him. And so your relationship is completely redefined in God's grace. And if God's grace is that big, and God's grace is that radical, and we also feel like I need to do spiritual things to be better, well then the question would be why? You know, I'm covered in God's grace. If God's grace covers me and it's not dependent on anything that I have done or anything that I could do, why then do I need to do good things and try to be better spiritually if God's already got me covered. In fact, I got an email uh, that was sent to me a couple weeks ago as we've been walking through the series talking about grace. Specifically when we were talking about how even in Paul's day in the first century when the church was first getting started, that Paul was preaching this gospel of grace and that people who heard it and didn't really grasp totally what Paul was saying literally believed that Paul was teaching that you could sin all you want and it didn't matter because God's grace covered you. So give your life to Jesus and then just keep, keep sinning all you want. That's what they believed Paul was teaching. And I had someone email me and they said this. They said, if we have grace, why should we do good? I mean, a couple of things that I thought about is that right before I was baptized at Compass, I thought that I should stop doing some things with the idea that I wanted to please God and that I wanted him to love me. And so I stopped sleeping with all the guys that I was having sex with. And if I have grace, why should I have bothered? Why should I tell my friends who want to be followers of Jesus, who are following Jesus and who are under God's grace, why should I tell them not to have sex before married if they have God's grace? Now that's a real genuine question. There's probably people in this room and you've asked, you, similarly, you've asked that question as well. And what's interesting is that people have been asking this question since the beginning of Christianity. Since all the way back in the first century when this thing was kicking off, people were asking this question. In fact, the Apostle Paul, in a letter that he wrote to a church in Rome, uh, he kind of sums up. He's, he's, he's asking the question that's on everybody's mind. And he says this in Romans 6, chapter 12. He says, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning. God's grace is radical. It's huge. It's covered me. When God looks at me, he doesn't see my sin anymore. So can I just keep doing it? Am I covered? Is that, am I good there? And the answer to that is found in another kind of big theological word that we're going to talk about this week called sanctification. Now, last week we introduced this idea that salvation, that giving your life to Jesus, being saved and born again, is not just this like one-time thing, but it's kind of a, a process. And it's made up of a couple things. We talked about justification as this first stage. Justification is this act that God does completely. He initiated it. He planned it. He thought it up and he executed it. And that's when he forgives our sins and he just puts them completely out of his sight. And so he looks at us as, looks at us as if we had never sinned before. And then that leads to this next phase we're going to talk about today, and that is sanctification. So stick with me, okay? This is going to be like a little college professory, but like it's going to be worth it, I promise. Sanctification is this. This is the definition of it. Sanctification means that you are set apart or separated 
or being made holy towards something. That's what sanctification means. So let me kind of like explain this to you in a way that's like super simple for all to understand. So take your toothbrush, okay? Your toothbrush is sanctified. It is set apart for your use and for no one else to use. Ideally, like in a perfect world, okay? I don't know what your home setup is like, but, but in a perfect world, your toothbrush, it's set apart. It's just for your use, okay? It is holy to you, completely to be used only by you. So it's sanctified. Does that make sense? Your toothbrush also, it is sanctified to be used to clean your teeth. That is the job that it is set apart for, that it is holy to. Your toothbrush is not ever to be used to clean the toilet. You know, for example, right? Your toothbrush is saying, that's gross, right? Everyone like, you don't know whether to laugh because it's too gross. You can laugh. We laugh at gross things that compass. Roll with me. So here's the thing. Your toothbrush, it is sanctified for the use of cleaning your teeth. It is never to be used on cleaning the toilet. It is holy for you to use, nobody else, and it is holy to clean your teeth and nobody else's. You are a toothbrush. When you become a follower of Jesus, he redefines your status. He redefines your life. And, and he sets you, he justifies you, makes it as if you never sinned. He takes you from your old life and he makes you into a toothbrush for him. You are a toothbrush for God that is set apart for him to use, for him to engage and to have a relationship with. You are a toothbrush that is set aside for his purposes. And now you're not, you're not a toilet cleaner anymore. You are used just for him to brush those per, divine pearly whites, Right? Does that make sense? That's what being sanctified and holy is to God. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And when you say yes to Jesus, you're justified. You're forgiven. All those, the sin is gone. And now this new stage begins. It's a stage of sanctification. It's a stage of being made right and made new and made into the image of Christ. That means this, that it is, sanctification is, is not just a one-time moment like justification is, but sanctification is a lifetime process. Sanctification takes us where we are, and it takes us to where God wants us to be over the course of our lives, being made holy, made into the image of Jesus. Now, I think to understand sanctification, there's another thing that we need to know, and this is an interesting fact that I don't know if you guys were aware of. And this is, this is very cool, or interesting to know. Did you know that Christians still sin? I mean, like, I don't know if you knew that. I, that blows my mind. But, like, people who are followers of Jesus, that, like, they still actually do, like, sinful things. And I'm not, dude, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not just talking about, like, those Christians who we know aren't Christians, but, you know, they're just, like, say they're Christians, but they still do sinful things. And so you can go, oh, well, it makes sense that they're sinning because they're not really, you know, we know they're not really Christians. No, I'm talking, like, genuine people who, like, straight up, get baptized and are followers of Jesus, that those guys still sin. That blows my mind. Look, how about this? Did you know that this week that I sinned? Thank you. <laughs> you know what? Thank you. Thank you for that. I, it does my heart good to know that if you hear that I sin, a gasp is your response. <laughs> As opposed to like, well, duh, <laughs> right? But this week I sinned. And you know what? This week you sinned. You did. You know what? You did. This week, I tell you what, this week the Pope sinned. He did. He thought something nasty and mean about somebody who stepped on his robe and he got ticked and he tripped and he didn't like it. And he, I'm telling you, Christians sin. People who genuinely follow Jesus 
sin. But what's cool about it is this, is that justification, when God forgives us, it's a, it's a change of category for us. So it means this, when we become followers of Jesus and God, his work, his act, completely up to him, he changes our category and he takes us from the category of sinners and he moves us over into the category of God's children. As God's children, we're not under judgment. God's not mad. God's not condemning us anymore. There's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. So now the category shifted from sinners to children of God. But there's, it's even more than that. Our categories changed from sinners to children of God who sin. Now, do you get that? That, like, when we are saved, when we're made right in our relationship with God, when our standing with God is completely repaired, and when he looks at us, he's like, we are totally good, and we will always be good. We are no longer in the category of sinners, but we still sin, and as now we're just children of God who deal with the struggles of this sinful nature that still exists within us. And what happens is this. When we become followers of Jesus, our sinful nature, which controlled everything about our lives, it was just completely the boss of us. We say yes to Jesus. Jesus is like, sin, you're out of here. And then, then the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And this internal battle, this internal struggle begins that exists in the life of every single follower of Jesus. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 5. And bear in mind, Paul's writing this to Christians, okay? He's not writing this to people who aren't followers of Jesus. He's saying, hey, you, follower of Jesus, this is you. He says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit that lives in us, it gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other. They're constantly at war. There's this constant battle that exists in the life of every follower of Jesus. Now this is a little confusing because some of us were raised in church and we were raised to believe this, is that when you say yes to Jesus, you're on that primrose path and all of the struggles are gone. And if you sin now as a follower of Jesus, well, you know... You better watch yourself because God's watching and he's like Santa Claus and he knows if you've been naughty and if you've been nice and he might have a little spanking coming your way if you sin because don't make God mad. And some of us have lived life feeling like that's, that's our relationship with God and what it is. But grace, God's grace is so big and so radical that it says this. It says, you came to me, you are completely redeemed. You are completely mine and nothing can change it. Because if you can't do the work to be made right with God, if he's the only one who could do it, then there's nothing you could do to destroy God, your rightness with God. And some of us live this Christian life where, you know, we get through the day and you lay your head on the pillow and you do this, this inventory of your day. And anybody ever do this? Where you're like, okay, God, uh, you know, I really tried, and, but that dude cut me off, off in traffic. And it's like that finger has a mind of its own. And I don't even know, God, why. And, and I'm so, God, I'm just, uh, I blew it. And like I popped off on my wife and my kids. I was tired, and I shouldn't have said that, but just anger got a hold of me. And, uh, Lord, it's like, you know, my phone just went to that website, and I didn't want it to, but it's like, it's like programmed in there. And it's like, God, I got on Facebook, and I saw what somebody said, and like, Deep down, I knew they were an idiot, but I felt like they needed to know they were an idiot, and I typed it, and God, I'm just, uh. Anybody do that inventory of your life where you just, like, every night you just kind of evaluate how bad you blew it during the day? 
Now, there's some of us who are followers of Jesus who do that inventory, and what we do is we allow that inventory to begin to define us and define our relationship with God. And the longer our list of bad things becomes, in our minds, the farther from God we are. And the farther we are from God, the more crappy we feel. And sometimes the farther we are from God and the crappier we feel, the harder it is to want to come back to God. And there, I know there are followers of Jesus who have walked away from their faith, not because they didn't feel like God was real and cared about them or loved them, but simply because they felt like there was no way that they could ever measure up. And I'll tell you, I have, I have prayed this to God. I have prayed this, this, this thought that I've had. Where it's like, God, I'm just, I am not worthy of the sacrifice that you made for me. And God hears that. And like, that makes sense to us. Like, we say that out loud. And it's like, well, yeah, obviously that makes sense to us. Because we're bad people and we're sinners. And it's like, we try, but we fail. But God, in his grace, doesn't see sin. He doesn't see sinners. He sees Jesus, who is perfect, when we say yes to him. And now he wants to invite us into this process of being transformed and being made totally into the image of Christ, of being sanctified. And what's so cool about, about God is this, is that knowing that I'm a child of God who sins, that I'm not a sinner anymore. It doesn't control me. It doesn't own me. That's not my identity anymore. My identity is as a child of God who struggles and battles with sin. But knowing that that's my identity, that, that my standing with God is never at risk, even when I blow it, changes everything. And knowing that God's will for my life is to be sanctified. Knowing that God's will for me is to be on an ongoing journey, an ongoing process of being made more into the image of Christ means this, that God knew when he said yes to me, when he said come be a child of God, that God knew that I needed to be sanctified because he knew I was a screw up. And that means God, not only did he know that I was a screw up, and, and I, you know what, you too, that you were a screw up. Some of you guys laughed when I said I was a screw up. You're like, I know. But you too, that that not only did God know that we were screw-ups, but that he had a plan to sanctify us, a plan to change us and to transform us so we don't have to live the same as we did when we came to him, but that we could be made better. And not only does he have a plan, but that God has the patience to walk us through it no matter how long it takes. And, can I, and you know what else is super cool? Like, we, we know how long it's going to take because it's going to take as long as we live. And some of us have the benefit of being just genuinely good people, you know, and it's like we begin the process of sanctification and we become followers of Jesus and we're justified. And our sanctification process moves really quick into where we're followers of Jesus and we're a year in and it's like we're in a small group and it's like, what, what kind of sins are you struggling with? And he's just like, you know, I'm just really struggling with like just the time that I'm giving to the Lord because I pray three hours a day, but I just feel like it should be three and a half. And I'm just, I'm just lost in my sin, guys. And then, and you're like, what? But then there's others of us who are like, you have no idea what I was doing last night. And I've been following Jesus for 20 years. But to understand what God wants to do in our life through sanctification, we've got to understand this from the get-go. That God has the patience to walk us through this process no matter how long it takes. That he's never just going to be like, you know what, I can't work with this guy. You know, he's not pulling his weight. I'm out. I'm going to work over here with this person. I'm going to get a better return on my investment. If God was concerned about return on investment, he never would have sent Jesus to die on the cross. 
Because Jesus is a way better investment than I am. And he's a way better investment than you are. But what's great about God's grace is he, he doesn't weigh things that way. Because when God looks at you, he sees someone who is so worth it. And if you were worth it for Jesus to die for, to forgive you of your sin, then you were worth it for God to not leave you in that state, but to put you on a path of complete and total transformation and change. And this is, this is what's so cool is that like, like Paul talks about this battle. Like Paul, our heart's desire deep down is to do the right thing. And it's to please God and to obey God. But our flesh, our sinful nature, that struggle, that battle, that's always going to be at work inside of our lives. It's always making sin difficult to resist. But it's in the context of our continual struggle with sin and obedience to God that sanctification does its work. So it's in the context of this back and forth battle between God's spirit and our sinful nature. It's in the context of this that sanctification actually happens. Get this. Your ongoing struggle with sin is the battlefield in which God makes you more like Jesus. Your ongoing struggle with that sinful habit in your life that's unique to you, that nobody else fights, but it's just you. Your, the context of that ongoing battle of your sin it's the place that, that God uses to transform you, to sanctify you, and to make you into the image of Christ. God knew that you would still struggle with sin when he forgave all your sin. And when God said, I'm not just going to forgive your past sin, but I'm going to look at you as if you're never going to sin again, and I'm, because Jesus died once for all time, that I'm going to forgive all of your sin moving forward, God knew that you were still going to sin. And the freedom that comes from that, knowing this, that I'm a child of God who sins, is the understanding that now that I'm a child of God who sins, not a sinner, that like this is now the realm in which God is fighting a battle to transform my life. So when you fight and you struggle with sin, when your flesh, your sinful nature, that thing pops up, now that's not a failure that you're struggling with. Now that's not a weakness that, that just defines who you are. Now it's not you looking at yourself going, I'm not good enough for God. Now that's the context in which God's going to overcome and bring you victory in your life. Now in that thing you struggle with that everybody struggles with, that all followers of Jesus fight because the Spirit is fighting our flesh constantly. Whether big, egregious, gross sins, or the small, you know, stole a paperclip sins, whatever it is, that is the battlefield where God is going to overcome in your life and bring transformation and wholeness to you and to make you more into the image of Christ. Now this, the freedom that comes from God's grace in justifying us and in sanctifying us, this process, is so huge because sanctification is not about living in sinless perfection. That's not what it's about. Sanctification is about living out the process of becoming more like Jesus. Sanctification is not about living a sinless, perfect life. Sanctification is about living a life where you're continually taking steps to being made more into the image of Jesus. So this, okay, lecture time is over. We've got this kind of idea of what sanctification is. And there's some people in here and you're like, this is awesome. Because I've been feeling so guilty and I just keep failing. And I just, uh, I felt like I couldn't live up to God's standards. And I felt like he's just going to kick me out. And then there's some of you guys who are in here and you're like, Chris, I don't really like what you're saying. Because I feel like you're saying I can, I still, still can sin. And like the thing is, I already stopped sinning. And so it's not really fair that they don't have to stop sinning. I already did that. So let's get, you know, let's get on with this. Let's. So we're still struggling with this. Let's talk about how does sanctification practically 
play out in the life of a follower of Jesus? What does it look like? What does it practically mean for a Christian to be set apart? Sanctification is an inward change that God's spirit does and works out in our life, whereby God brings about the image of Christ in our actions and attitudes uh, by means of the Holy Spirit. But how does that play out in our lives? And it plays out really in three, three kind of ways. It plays out in what we do. It plays out in things that we don't do. And it plays out in some things that God does. And so I want to talk about these really quick. This is what it looks like, the process of sanctification in our life. Okay, the first thing is this. It plays out in what we don't do. And Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, which I'll just tell you, last week we talked about how if you could only read one chapter of the Bible, read Romans chapter 8 because it just sums up God's heart. If you ever wanted to understand sin and like get, a, get like a, just a snapshot of what it really does to us, what it means to us, and what God does to deal with it, read Romans chapter 6 because this got it all. And this is what Paul says to, in Romans chapter 6. He says, do not let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, instead of doing that, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. I love this because Paul starts it out like with this don't do. It's don't sin. Don't give yourself over to that. Don't, don't follow the urges and the temptations of your sinful nature, but give yourself over completely to God. Because you were dead. Before, your category was sinner and you were dead. But now you're child of God and now you're alive and you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what's right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Because you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. There is no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, no condemnation, no judgment. You are not condemned when you are a follower of Jesus. You can and never will be condemned and found guilty when you are a follower of Jesus. And it's in the freedom of that grace, the context of that grace, that we now have the power to overcome the sin in our lives, is what Paul is saying. And then he says this, well then, I love this. He asks the question, he sums it up. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law. Does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Everybody say, of course not. God did not set us free from the power and the bondage of sin and forgive us of all the things that we had done so that we could continue to live in it. And do you know why? Because it's bad for us. It hurts us. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, 23. He says that the wages of sin is death. Like, if you work a job, you get a paycheck. You earn it, right? If I work eight hours, I earn eight hours of pay. When you sin, what do you earn? Death. Like, spiritually, like, he's not saying, like, when you sin, lightning hits you from heaven and you just die. He's saying this. It's like, sin, the consequences of sin, it's bad stuff. Sin has consequences. And it's amazing how God, he forgives us. He, he makes our standing with him right. And he forgives us of this ultimate consequence of sin, this separation of God. He has made that right. But sin in our lives, when we engage in it, as children of God who sin, it still has real world consequences. If you put your finger in a mousetrap, it will snap and it will hurt. And, and sin has its consequences. And I believe this. I listen, I, we counsel a lot of people who are really going through difficult circumstances and struggling. And can I just tell you, I talk to a lot of people who are going through difficult circumstances and trying to figure out why bad things are happening and trying to work through these bad situations and circumstances that are happening in their lives. 
And I can just tell you that these circumstances are the consequences of sin. And sometimes we'll walk through lives as followers of Jesus. We're like, well, Jesus, I'm following you. I don't understand why my marriage is such a mess. And I don't understand why my relationship with my kids are such a mess. I don't understand why my finances are such a mess. I don't understand why just my internal state is just such a disaster. Jesus, I follow you. What's going on? And, And God's saying, he's saying, don't do that stuff. Because I said, I'm not hurting you. You're still doing things that are co- that the consequences of which are hurting you. The paycheck for your activities and your actions are hurting you. And Paul's like, why should you stop sinning? It's not because it's going to change your status with God. God did that. Jesus did that on the cross. You are right with him the second you said yes to Jesus. But God's purpose and plan for you is not just to live a forgiven life that's miserable where you live and wallow in the consequences of sin that you're still engaging in. God's plan and purpose for your life is to live the best life you could ever live. And you know how he says you can live that life? Look at this in, in 1 Timothy 1.9. He says, God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because it was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. You see, us being sanctified into the image of Christ, it's God's plan and his purpose. So that means this, when God looked down at us and he said, oh, how can I give them the best life that they could ever possibly live? They're here and they're like, like their teeth are a little jacked up and, and it's like they're, their spiritual teeth are snaggle-toothed and weird. And he's like, I want them to have a great life. And I feel like if I gave them a great spiritual perfect smile, that they would have a great life. How do I get them from A to B? How do I get them to this great and perfect life? And it's this. God's plan for you to have the best life ever is to sanctify you, for you to live a holy life, and to live and to look like Jesus. What's so cool about it is this, is that when God justifies us, he... He looks at us like Jesus, but we're not like Jesus. But he forgives us, and that the lenses through which we live now life, our category is we are Jesus to God. And now we live the rest of our life where God works out the things that will get us closer to the way he already sees us. A life living like Jesus is the best life you could ever possibly live. And that's why it's so important to God, not just to deal with the sin so that he can perceive us, through the lenses of Jesus' righteousness and be forgiven, but so that we can actually live a life of wholeness, of completeness, of love, of purpose that only comes when we live like followers of Jesus. So what do we, what do we don't do? To the extent that we can, stop sinning. Just don't do bad things, okay? To the extent that you can, don't do bad things. What does sanctification look like in the realm of what we do? Well, sanctification is not about rules. It's not about being religious. It's not about hitting some mark or some standard because we already know that God already dealt with that. Sanctification is more about developing a relationship with God under which the desires of our heart, our affections, our dreams, and our ambitions begin to align with his purposes for us. Sanctification is not about, I do all the right things, sanctified robot. That's not what sanctification is. Sanctification is falling more in love with God every single day. So that the idea that we could possibly sin is so foreign to us because all we want to do is live like God, love like God, and honor God. And so what do we do? We do the things that develop relationship between us and God. Spiritual disciplines. Read His Word. Pray. Pray. 
engage in worship. Spend time in a group with other people of like-minded faith who are seeking after God. Pursue a relationship with Him. You can't be a good parent or husband or wife by following all the rules in a book. It happens when you develop a relationship of love. So we... So to the extent that you can, stop sinning. To the extent that within your own power, you can stop sinning, make the choice to not do those things anymore. Some of us have been sitting on the fence, being like, but I like it, and I didn't really want to let it go. Now's the time, just stop it. What do you do? Spend time with God. Invest in your relationship with Him so He can win your affections over. And then the best part is this. The best part of sanctification, not just what we don't do or what we do, but it's now what God does in this divine partnership that he invites us into with him. Justification, totally his work. Sanctification is is him and us hand in hand. And when we say yes, we take his hand and say, God, I just, I want to work on this with you. God walks by us patiently. He never gives up. He never goes away. He never says at any point, this isn't worth it for me anymore. And dude, like the coolest thing is that like, there's people who like, we look at like, oh, they're such a good person. Of course, God would never walk away from them. They're just good. I'm a dirt bag. Like God, you don't know. Like, and if people, if other people knew, like God, I don't, how? And God's like, it's all right. You said yes to me. You're a child of God now. You may be a child of God who sins a lot now, but you know what? You'll be a child of God who sins a little bit less, and then you'll be a child of God who sins a little bit less, and then it's not even going to be about the sin, and it's going to be you're a child of God who's living out my purposes, and you're a child of God who's living in joy and fullness and purpose as that transformation process continues and you become more made into the image of Jesus. And I can tell you, like, as someone who's living out that purpose in my life. Some of you may be farther ahead. Some of you may be a little bit behind me in that process. I'm so thankful for God's patience with me. I'm so thankful for his heart for me. And I'm so thankful for the grace of God. This is God's heart for you from the beginning of time. His will was for you to live like him. And you can start that today in your life if you just say yes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that... Not only are we forgiven, but that, God, you love us so much that you're not content to just make our status good with you and then walk away, but that you want to pick us up at the beginning of that journey and take us farther and make us more than we could ever have been, even on our own, after saying yes to you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak into our hearts today and challenge our assumptions, God, about maybe the sin that we still engage in and live in. And God, I pray you challenge our assumptions about the width of your grace and the forgiveness that's available to others, even though we think we got it going on and we think we're doing pretty good. And God, I pray that you would challenge our assumptions about how high and how wide and how deep your love for us really is and the grace, the radical grace that you have for every single person in this room. Every head bowed and eyes closed. There's people in this room and today you hear this and you just know you are one of those people and you are just struggling with sin. Talk about that battle. And that battle is really real for you right now. And maybe that battle is really a struggle for you because you've not been saying yes to God's spirit that's been trying to fight on your behalf. And you've just been, you've been saying yes to, to some sort of sinful habit or activity or choice and you justify it and you try to make it okay in your mind, but deep down you know that God's speaking to you about this is something that that you need to let go of. 
that this is a messed up tooth that maybe needs to be pulled or, or maybe this is just some crooked teeth that you need to let God put some braces on so that he can make you holy and set apart for him and for his purposes. You're a toothbrush and he wants to use you for his purposes, not your own. And today you're like, Chris, I, today I want to say, say yes to God and I want to walk away from this sin, whatever it is. Big, small, you're fighting the battle and you're ready to say yes to God to deal with that sin in your life. If that's you, nobody's looking. Just very quickly slip up your hand so I can pray with you. Thank you. Hands all over the room. Father, Lord, I pray with my brothers and sisters, God, knowing this, God, that I struggle with sin, that we all do, Lord, I pray, Jesus. And I thank you first and foremost, God, that you're opening my eyes to this thing, Lord, that, that's causing death in my life. And maybe I wasn't even aware of the, of the death and the consequences that the sin was causing. But I'm so thankful, God, that you've made a way to excise this sin from my life, to deal with the consequences of it, God, even after you've already dealt with the forgiveness of it in my life. And I pray, Jesus, as I lay this sin before you, this habit, this activity, this attitude, Jesus, this thought process, Lord, I just lay it all before you. God, I just confess it. And I pray that you would take it. I pray that you would make me holy and set apart for you. I want that best life, and I believe that you have it for me, Lord. And so with this spiritual battle that's being fought inside me, in the context of this battlefield between your spirit and my sinful nature, God, today I choose to side with your spirit, and I ask you to engage this fight on my behalf and set us free today. I believe there is grace for me. It's greater than my sin. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in me, in us, in our church. And I thank you, God, for what you're doing in our community, even as you extend your love through us into Bloomington Normal and the world at large. Lord, we love you. We pray all of this in your wonderful and holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.